Hey friends, Chloe and Michael here, the founders of Mindfully Loved and your co-hosts of the Mindfully Loved podcast. Created with our love of discussing all things healing, growth and slow living, we hope to inspire your own journey toward being a better parent, partner and person. Join us for both interview and discussion-based episodes designed to challenge those unhelpful thought patterns and inspire the positive and sustainable change you need right now. Hi, everybody, (laughs) and welcome to our third episode, our podcast episode. Um, Just a little FYI, we just recorded half of this episode and realized that our microphone was muted. So this is our second take, (laughs) but fun times when we're starting podcasts. So today, everybody, we are chatting with my wonderful husband, and and I will be interviewing him today. So we're doing the opposite of what we did in our second episode. So I'm interviewing him about his journey and what brings him here with me today. So we're going to talk a little bit about his childhood, his own healing journey, and I guess his path with Mindfully Loved. Mm-hmm. You Hi, know baby. Me. I'm always ready to overshare. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Let's shoot. So... I guess let's start about who Michael was as a little boy. I did meet you, I remember, briefly, but when we were little. But, um, yeah, I guess who Michael was through your mm. eyes. We, we knew each other, but we probably never spoke really nah. as kids because <laughs> I don't think I ever would have had uh, the courage as a child to step out and go talk to someone uh, myself without my <laughs> wonderful older sister <laughs> leading the charge for me there and... Uh, and, and breaking the ice, so to speak, mm. which she did so and has always done so wonderfully, um, a, a fantastic example. But uh, yeah, I suppose little little Michael was very happy to sit back and be the benefactor of of, uh, of a very strong female lead in front of me, story of my mm. life. Um, <laughs> we'll get back to that we'll get later. Back to that, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, very, um, I suppose, somewhat shy, reserved, but happy um and pretty easygoing little child yeah i i um i had a very more or less uneventful childhood minus uh you know some complications or issues with asthma which spanned uh you know a, a good solid 13 14 years of my early childhood pretty um, eventful one pretty eventful <laughs> i suppose uh, a few yeah, a few few I suppose visits to hospital that might take a week or so at a time uh, each year. I suppose particularly when I was young, growing up. But um, mm. but yeah, that's that's who little Michael was. Mm. Okay, it's pretty cute. Maybe yeah. not maybe not initially, but it was pretty cute. <laughs> he was pretty cute. Um, and tell me about your parents and your relationship with your parents. I had a really good relationship with my parents growing up. Always, yeah, um, very loving, supportive. Uh, parents, you know, everything you could uh, ask for, I suppose, um, uh, growing up in a, you know, uh, 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 somewhat a migrant family. My mum moved here uh, when she was in her mid-teens, I suppose, by the mm-hmm. time she, she formally moved here. Uh, my father was born here. Um, his siblings were not. His parents were not. They were all migrants from Italy. So uh, Spanish and Italian sort of background, having been born in Australia, um, yeah, um, really supportive caring parents um uh yeah Hmm. sounds good Mm. so 
it seems like during your teenage years, your parents had to deal with a fair bit. Mm. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your teenage years. Yeah. What I'll, happened there? I'll start by saying sorry for the 750th time to my parents. <laughs> I may have been a little bit difficult as a teenager, but mm-hmm. uh, no, I, you know, um, definitely uh, probably, you know, the, the formative years in, in and playing the biggest part into leading where I am now. So... Uh, yeah, I suppose, um, you know, being that shy, reserved kid um, for for most of my childhood, uh, uh, you know, stepping out into the real world of our teenage years. We know how important all the issues are that we have as teenagers. But um, yeah, I, I suppose uh, uh, I, I suffered with um, a, a crippling fear of embarrassment, I suppose, mm. uh, uh, just a, a constant concern of, of judgment of others, you know, wherever that stemmed from. I, I obviously um, spent a lot of years not overly comfortable in my own skin and, and, um, and you know, that's probably what made it, uh, what I felt made it so difficult for my parents was, um, you know, they were my skin in a sense. They were the model of, of who I was to that point and, um, and all things sort of home related, you know, even uh, on the Spanish side of things, you know, as, as some people know, um, I, I also go by Miguel, my name in Spanish. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my sister used to mock me almost by calling me Miguel. Yeah. There were things I was embarrassed about and and who I was sort of deep down was, wasn't someone I, I really wanted to resonate with. So, uh, you know, I, I had a tough time, I suppose, trying to figure out who I was mm. in social settings from young and... Um, that manifested itself obviously as a uh, as a bit of a depression. Um, uh, I, I think I first sort of said to my parents around the age of twelve or thirteen that uh, uh, you know in those words I hated myself and mm. um, and I started my own I suppose um, little journey as to what that meant. Um, uh, you know I'd, I'd never really known much about it, explored much about it, but you know I found myself in the ways that most people do. Or most uh, teenagers do, you know. I, I carried a box cutter with me um, to school and and um, found myself self harming. It wasn't something I thought. I didn't want to share it with other people. It wasn't something I thought. Uh, you know, you're supposed to do in this mm. instance. I, I just I was, I was quite guilt ridden and and felt that I, I should be punishing myself for feeling so bad about things. You know, as mm. I constantly said to myself, there are worse people off in the world, and um, you know, you've you've great supportive parents, great life, and you, you, you're just socially awkward and, and that's it. So, yeah, it turned into this uh, years of punishment, mm. I suppose, against myself, yeah. And what did those punishment look like other than self-harming? Yeah, uh, it, it was very much beating myself up. Mm. Um, so it, it was self-harming. It was, um, it, it was uh, you know, I, I fell into the victim yeah. mentality, the victim trap, Um uh, I, I tried to find ways to be who I thought I I might want to be in front of other people, and and you know did that I suppose the cheap unaccountable way. It it was um you know it, it was through my illness. It was through my um you know at some stage it became to be about my mental health as well. Um you know trying to find different ways to um decide who I wanted to be or identify mm. myself. And I guess growing look. As a teenager growing, what support was were available for you at that yeah. point, or what support did you kind of reach out to? Yeah, I you know I uh, I, I did largely keep it to myself um, mm. uh, uh, until uh, a teacher in grade seven um, picked up on a few things. I, mm. I think um, possibly saw me self harming or or something like that in class. 
uh, and reached out to me and um, we set up a bit of a, a counseling type situation and you know I'd see him sort of weekly or fortnightly to, to discuss those issues uh, that's where I started uh, journaling I suppose for the first mm. time and got into some journaling and um, yeah that expanded out to counseling we went with my parents and met the counselor is uh, that through school or through school yeah um I, I briefly remember the discussion being along the lines of, you know, uh, the, there's a little bit of a wait to find a, a local psychologist so you can mm-hmm. go down that path. And, and I kind of remember stepping out of there with my parents and going, like, you know, just don't worry about it. It's mm-hmm. fine. You know, um, we don't need it. I, I'm, I've worked with this person here and um, we'll just sort of step forward that way. Um, uh, you know, I, as a result, um, you know, things didn't get better. And, and I did, um, uh, you know, in, in my own way, whether a call for attention or not, I, I did end up in a situation where I had a knife to my wrist and mm. um, uh, one of, you know, one of two times and, and thought maybe that's the pathway I should go down. And, uh, and fortunately, you know, uh, as always, fortunately, um, in, in these situations, someone heard that cry for help and I was just sort of offered more support. So, um, yeah, it... it it was formal, but I personally didn't want to formalise it, I suppose. Uh, the discussion of, of antidepressants came up, um, mm. you know, again, not the first time in my life. And uh, I found I found myself beating myself up for that because it felt like, once again, I'm, I'm relying on someone or something else to fix issues that mm. I have. What right do I have to, to have these issues mm. that I can't solve myself when, again, other people in the world are, are dying? Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I guess looking back now, back to that time, what did that Michael, what was, what was missing from that Michael at that point, do you think? Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, I, I think most obviously uh, what was missing was uh, myself, who I was, who I actually was deep down, um, mm-hmm. the things that made me happy, the things that I was about, the things mm-hmm. I stood for. Um, they're things... My parents and my family and my home environment helped me shape. But again, it was something I was trying to remove myself from because in that space, I wasn't an outgoing person. I wasn't what I felt to be, a, a, you know, I always wanted to be unique. I always wanted mm. to be my own person, but I wanted to have control of that, not just the uniqueness of what I was born with or, or you know, what I grew mm. up around. I wanted to be responsible for that choice. So I wanted to choose that myself, you know, whether that was, uh, you know, paying for decisions like these now, but whether that was uh, the sports team I followed, you know, Mm. needed to follow something different to everyone else, not the one that was winning, just Mm. something that resonated in another way, you know, uh, whether it was my uh, music taste, whether it was my, whatever it was, it just had to be something that I had control of that was different. You like Um, to, yeah, you like to to be a tone, like you, you like being alternative like that in a way. Um, what do you think that was? Mm, I, again, trying to, as we all did, I suppose, in our teenage years, trying to define who we are in this mm. world, the character that we're going to be, the, who we're going to play, I suppose, in, in these settings. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't comfortable with the actual version of me. So it was mm. like, who, who can I create from this? Mm. Um, what can I build up from this? And, uh, you know, it, it was totally dissociative. It, mm. it, was, it wasn't. It wasn't me, um, so it was a it was a front. It was it was exhausting to be in those situations. I I, I was you know I, I was quite popular. I, I was friends with almost everyone at school. You know I I saw different things to different people, mm. and 
I wasn't the type to uh, talk down on, on anyone else because I, you know, I, I felt multiple levels of pain that sort of came yeah. from within myself. But I did very much want to be, um, at, you know, uh, in, in the popular area. I did mm. want to be, I, I didn't want to miss out and I wanted to experience those things. So, yeah, um, uh, very much wanting to create a, a persona. Mm. So did your friends or, I guess, close people, close, yeah, friends of yours, did they know what you were going through? I was encouraged. I do remember being encouraged uh, by, yeah, by the counsellor at the time to speak with my friends about it. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird thing whether they really knew what that was about. I, I do remember mm. mentioning it on the phone to a couple of friends. Um, you know, I remember trying to put it in really awkward ways. I didn't know how to say, you know, because it was a weird thing. Am I depressed? Or, like, mm. is that something that I, I, should, I probably shouldn't be saying that because, again, you know, there's people worse off in the world. I tried to use um, uh, common, uh, you know, um, at the time, you know, um, uh, popular commonalities. Um, mm. I, I tried, I remember trying to tell someone, might have been my cousin even, uh, instead of coming out saying, hey, listen, I'm depressed, I, I'm supposed to talk about it. I said, you know, the song Stan <laughs> by Eminem, um, you know, the, the guy's sort of going through. That's kind of mm. what, you know, I, I, I did try and find, again, a... a, a I suppose a, a popular or a cool way that I could relate to mm. what was happening because again, depression wasn't something I, I wanted to own. It was it was embarrassing. Mm. Um, yeah, I was I was encouraged to talk to others. A couple, a, a very small few of people that I felt comfortable with, I, I put it out to, and I, I you know uh, I didn't receive much response, um, as you'd expect because you know we we're, we're children. I, I didn't know what it was. Um, mm. I, we didn't know what it was about, and unless you were facing it. Yeah. How about with your parents? Did you actually did you actually have chats with them about how you were feeling? Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I certainly recall uh, having discussions about um, how I was feeling. Uh, like I said, you know, I hate myself. I, I don't feel great about myself in, in these certain ways. But um, I never wanted. I never had the intention of hurting them. I never had mm. the intention of hurting them to their faces uh, uh, as embarrassed and as grunty of a teenager as I was, ugh, you know, ugh, I don't <laughs> want to talk about these things, you know, yeah. uh, particularly as I got older, maybe that was an easier way to deal with it. But as I was younger, you know, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's okay. Cheer up. Yeah. You're right. You know, yeah. You know, other, mm. other people have it worse. And, and I, I could sort of brush it off in that sense. I suppose mm. it was then, the isolation, which, you know, I've always loved. Um, I could step away in that time to myself and go, yeah, you know, now I can feel what I want to feel because I don't want to disappoint mm. others in that respect as well. And it's interesting, you know, what you said, like, oh, other, other people have it worse. You know, it's something that we see even now, you mm. know, in social media. It's kind of we, are, we tend to devalue our emotions mm. and always kind of bring it down, like saying everyone has it, you know, worse than us, which, you know, that is always the case, mm. but it's really important to value our emotion at that point that, yeah, people might have it worse, but this is my issue now. This is my pain. This is my problem. And it is important enough for me to give it some time as well. In, in hindsight, like mm. again, in hindsight, it's such a destructive, destructive thought mm. for someone who's already um, battling the self-esteem issues oh, and trying yeah. to understand who they are as a person. You know, mm. at the time, I, I thought it was everything. I thought it was everything. I, I, you know, I, I can recall, uh, you know, uh, um, world famine commercials coming up mm. on the TV and you see the, the, the starving children and everything like that. You know, I, I'm, I, when they came up, I would make myself face it, look at it. You know, really sort of wear it and go, 
I, I remember the saying over and over in my head, what are you complaining about? Yeah. What are you complaining about? Like guilt was getting bigger and bigger. Which is, which is an amazing thing yeah. because, you know, in a way I used it to empower me hmm. to pull out of that situation. It wasn't until I got older I realized, gee, that's not a sustainable, no. a strong and sustainable mm. way of getting out of there. It did nothing for my personal mm. self-esteem. It was just to get up, like stop wallowing, you know, stop mm. doing those things. And, and uh, you know, I suppose it's no surprise that leads to a numbing type of mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I guess tell us a little bit about that. What got you out of this um, stage of your life? So I suppose it... it kind of came to a head around the age of 21 22 mm. again another really awkward phase in our lives you know um, uh, i'd started studying you know it was new socials new groups mm. of friends new people to be around and and uh you know i, I just fell into a coasting phase um uh you know i'd, I'd learned somewhat how i could be you know different amongst other people and i could cope just enough in those mm-hmm. settings and when i got home and i still very much you know i didn't move out of home early because i i still very much needed that that safe space that isolation space in my mm-hmm. room away from others i felt the comfort in there i felt the ability to just be myself at that mm-hmm. moment and and uh not let any of that out there so yeah you know um uh things came to a head around 21 i gave up on a lot of things. I, I got kicked out of uni. Mm. Uh, you know, I had a couple of uh, friends pass away around the same time. I had a, a breakup with a, a girlfriend and all these things just sort of culminated into me going, that's it, you know. Mm. I think this is it. I think this is enough. And uh, and fortunately, again, that desperation call in that moment um, to my parents, poor parents, mm. um, you know, you need to get here. I'm about to do something really silly. I, I knew, you know, I, I suppose I still knew at the time there's an opportunity here. Mm. Um, so deep down, perhaps I knew I, I, I know this isn't the way I want to go. It was just, I suppose, toying with options a little bit mm. at that point. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I feel really fortunate that I, uh, a couple of really important things happened at that time. I started seeing a new counselor and again, I found myself getting really frustrated. I actually went to a psychologist this time. My parents took me that day, get, got home, you know, it took me straight to a, a psychologist and over the next couple of sessions, you know, again, antidepressants, let's write down the issues, let's do those things. And I just, I'd go home and just be like, God simple simple issues I, I don't have these major events in my life i don't have these major traumas in my life and i'm paying someone else to address it i'm paying someone and, and they want to give me a medication that's then going to make it better and i just felt this just isn't hmm. this just isn't sustainable this just doesn't seem to be the way out of this um got fortunate um uh not something i usually do in life but i took accountability and found this late entry. I always wanted to be a physio, but found this late entry into this thing called myotherapy. I'm like, this resonates a little bit and it's something a little bit different and wasn't expecting to get much back from it. Um, bang, got this application approved, uh, rekindled a, a friendship with a couple of old friends who just gave me this newfound or different perspective or this pumping up of my tires that, that made me wonder, you know, uh, maybe I am a little bit more, if, if they've come back to me, then maybe yeah. I've got some sort of personality here that I can, I can sort of move forward with and just felt this new invigoration. It wasn't a, it wasn't a healthy um, attitude again in hindsight as to how I broke out of it. But I suppose I saw an opportunity there and went, mm. um, let's try and attack this again differently. Mm. 
And then I guess tell us a little bit about your myotherapy course mm. and yeah. what, yeah, I guess, like your yeah. journey through that. Yeah, um, it was, and it was a game changer. It was definitely a game changer. And it's, and it, and it's ironic, you know, I, I didn't work hard enough, you know, possibly wasn't uh, um, ready to apply myself enough to get into something like physiotherapy when I was younger. Um, which, yeah, again, I find kind of ironic because I stepped into then, you know, this myotherapy course, which provided this holistic approach to mm. life. I always had a spiritual side. You know, I battled with the Catholicism. I battled with the guilt mm. that was off that. That didn't feel right to me again as yeah. well. And I'm like, how much more guilt can I mount on myself mm. without going crazy? So I distanced myself from that. I distanced myself from a few of these things and and got ex- exposed to this world of alternative therapy and this holistic way of looking at life. And, and um, that was an absolute game changer for me. Uh, I stepped in there. I, I couldn't afford the schooling uh, myself. My parents couldn't afford the schooling. So I took out a personal loan, which, mm. you know, cost me a great deal of money. I, I knew I can't mess about the way I did um, in my previous studies. Mm. There's no government subsidies for this. I'm paying for this. If I'm not doing it right the first time, then I'm not doing it. Mm. Uh, So I went in and I I tackled it in a way that I've never tackled things before. And I I found a real passion in it and and found that, you know, hey, I've got some sort of a natural skill here. It was Mm. recognized by by the lecturers and and, um, bang, this this different sort of confidence, like, hey, I, I have some sort of ability or capability here. Mm. Um, finished up that, uh, got, got you know, the, the, the Coordinator's Excellence Award for the class and, and, and sort of finished at the top of the class and uh, landed this great job as a result of that also. Mm. Um, recommended for this job that was, uh, um, you know, friend of the friend from the college, uh, a lecturer from the college, and, um, and just thought, geez, yeah, uh, maybe there's something more. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting how the moment you start feeling good enough doing something, you know, it just, it's kind of a bit of like a domino effect. Then, you know, you start kind of feeling better about who you are. It's, you know, that worthiness that's coming up. My my first proud moment in hindsight, Mm. you know, something I reflect on now when I think of gratitude, my first uh, proud moment in hindsight um, was graduating and being it was it was a small college you know it was nothing really outstanding but being at this place and uh and you know it, it had been months since we graduated and uh you know um being presented with with that award you know it it felt small in this one way and in this other way it was like hey like i took ownership or mm-hmm. responsibility and something really great happened and my parents yeah. were there and and you know we all at the end of the day want to make our parents happy and I suppose after years of floundering about as I did and 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 you know between the depression and all that that was it was this moment it was just like hey uh, maybe I can do something here mm. to, to impact the change in my own life and off the back of pay someone else to to assist yeah. you with that that was really that was a really big moment for me, for me. yeah of course yeah, yeah. And um, I guess then after that, um, there's like your, I guess your journey continued, you know, through that. I know a few other things happened, mm-hmm. um, but I guess focusing, let's focus now on where some, what were some of the biggest ju- uh, lessons through your healing journeys yourself? Talk a little bit about that. 
Um, yeah, well, you know, as this newfound sort of confidence mm. evolved, uh, new circles uh, I was associating with, um, I discovered the power of the numbing effect, mm. <laughs> I suppose, and the um, numbing slash unbridled confidence effect that came with things like drugs and alcohol. Mm. Um, I, I, you know, it's very weird in reflection because at the time, you know, hey, we all enjoyed our 20s, right? I, there's not much I really regret um, mm. from those experiences. I, I, I did do a lot of stupid things. I did a lot of, uh, you know, um, experimentation and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, discovered things in my own way. But... Um, but it was, it was, again, unsustainable. It was temporary confidence. It was, you know, in those moments, uh, you know, of drinking or a big night that I discovered I could be risk-free and that caught people's attention as well. Um, I, I wasn't tied down, tied down to anything. I, I, I um, off the back of myotherapy, got into this great job um, with the government um, and started getting a decent paycheck and all of a sudden I could, uh, I could be present at these events. I could be the one that was always free. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have a partner early on at the times and, uh, you know, I, I could just expose myself into these situations that develop kind of this FOMO mm-hmm. mentality, but, uh, I could be there and I could be reckless and I could be the one that, um, you know, uh, uh I suppose redis- rediscovering who I was in those situations. So, um, yeah, uh, uh I, started sort of finding a voice but it but it was sort of drowned in mm. substance i suppose mm. yeah um uh, yeah and and so i should mention then uh off the back of that i, I did enter into a a, a four-year relationship which which again I, I probably wasn't in the right mindset or, or mentality for caring for someone else because at this point i'd spent a lot of time still neglecting myself neglecting Mm. care for myself or love for myself i found a lot of other ways to feel better um uh except for those you know the days after the hangover days and everything like that i'd really fall back in a slump and question what am i doing what is this what is this about i don't feel well in these moments um you know um so so yeah i I evolved through that sort of scene um in ways that i i wouldn't have done in hindsight Mm. but yeah it did help me find a voice. It did help me form new circles and new groups and things like that. So, when did you start breaking that cycle and finding that love? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, in twenty thirteen, uh, uh, I, I made the call um, to end a previous relationship. Uh, you know, which was really difficult, um, really difficult at the time. You know, it's still difficult in hindsight thinking about. Uh, uh, you know, the choices I had to make. I waited a long time to make that choice, uh, but I knew, again, something needed to change. I knew I wasn't happy in my current situation. Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to do something. So uh, I decided to do something which was so out of my comfort zone and, and, you know, something I'd wanted to do since I was young, but being quite a safe, secure mentality Mm -hmm. outside of the drinking was like, this is a big move. So I decided to to book the one-way ticket to London. Um, which is something I wanted to do from young, you know, I, I planned to spend, you know, at least 12 months over there to the one main intention was to put myself in difficult situations to sink or swim. Basically, mm. um, I still wasn't comfortable in social settings. I had to either drink or to find a substance or something that was going to give me a confidence to step out yeah. of my shell a little bit. It wasn't really helping me be who I was. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I needed to, um, single swim mentality was in mm. my mindset. So 
go travel by yourself, um, go live by yourself, go do these things and, and um, see what happens. Mm. Um, and I know since then you've had a lot of, um, I guess, situation like journeys of mm. yourself and learnings um, and it's up to you if you want to share any of them. Mm. But I know a lot of realisations came up uh, from that because maybe we can choose one of the relations of, you know, how you managed to break the cycle. Mm. Um through that, you know, generational trauma, yeah. family? I suppose I got a, a, a little bit, well, no, not, not lucky. Things fall into place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there were two, two key things to how that worked. The first was um, I had come across some plant medicine mm-hmm. while I was away. Uh, that, like nothing ever before, made me look internally mm-hmm. in ways that I wasn't comfortable with. And um, it definitely exposed... A lot of things for me it definitely exposed um, some different insights I think it was just that slight you know uh, comfort in thinking outside the box and mm-hmm. made me look at the ways I'd approach things in this just slightly different perspective mm-hmm. it made me realize um, you know I'm, I'm feeling better in these ways but then I'd go trash myself on the weekend again mm-hmm. and was feeling worse again it made me go Where's the accountability in all of this? So, so that was one thing that made me look introspectively. On the return home then, as you know, then uh, uh, you'd finally made the move across. So I cut my trip a little bit shorter, you know, <laughs> which, which was fine, but came back and, and, uh, and we got together. And, um, you know, I've, I've always had the love and support from my parents, mm. um, but to be with a peer mm. who I can relate to, as we did for a long, long time, um, who just provided this loving, caring, safe environment to be myself. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm crazy and quirky in a lot of ways and there are so many opportunities you probably <laughs> uh-huh. could have had to laugh at me, but you chose not to and you chose mm. to, to welcome that and you, you chose not to belittle me, which is something that, uh, yeah, definitely did trigger me for a long time because, you know, I belittle myself enough, you know, if you're going to yeah. do it on top of that as well, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to struggle a little bit there. So, mm. um, just to have someone who went, Hey, you know, just don't talk about yourself like that. I remember you saying that early on a bit. Don't talk about yourself. And I'm going, just relax. I'm just talking, you know, this isn't a big deal, <laughs> but that language was really important. So, mm. uh, those two things together really sort of exposed a lot of things about myself. You, you, uh, <laughs> Me needing to find meaning in everything, you know, we'd, we'd be on drives and I'd be like, oh, you know, uh, here's a song that means a lot to me in this really, and it's an odd song. It means a lot to me in these ways, because if you'll just listen to the lyrics here for a second, it resonates in this way. And when I was younger and would lock myself in my room and, mm. and feel sad and, and perhaps cry or whatever it was, yeah. these are words I used to console me. And I'd sort of say it and look across like, oh my God. <laughs> and again, you'd be like, Wow, like you know, mm. and and that loving, comforting environment just made me go, hey, maybe this, maybe I'm alright, you know, mm. yeah, yeah, all right, I'm alright, yeah, I'm alright. <laughs> and so there's so much that we could, you know, continue talking mm. and go down and expand on, and I'm sure that will come mm. in, um, you know, future podcasts. I'm sure it will. But um, I guess before we finish up, tell us what you know, what brought you into mindfully loved you know i remember at the beginning when i started kind of um you know playing around with ideas of what i wanted to do you know and you happily wanted to jump on this journey with me Mm. kind of what made you which is odd because (laughs) of all the 
brilliant ideas that mm. flow through your mind constantly at warp speed. Um, yeah. You know, my still at that point logical, safe, secure mind would always be like, hey, uh, have you thought about this? Have you mm-hmm. looked at the overheads? What's your two-year plan? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not a business person at all, but yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd done three months of a business strategy thing in, in my myotherapy course <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, well, have you looked at the two-year projections here? You know you're not going to make money. That was f- annoying. Yeah, still still <laughs> probably is to some respect. But um, as we sort of started embarking on this healing journey ourselves, you know, it, it did become quite evident to the both of us. It became quite evident to me that throughout this journey that I'd had over these years, you know, it really came down to this this fear of... of, of who I was as a person and how other people were going mm. to accept that. And the more I was accepted by, you know, yourself and, and others and people around me, the more I gained this confidence to go, ah, oh, hey, like, you know, I'm all right. Maybe there's something to this and maybe there's something to looking, being self-aware and looking within and looking mm. as to who you are. And so, you know, how do I get into it? Well, you floated this amazing idea and obviously, you know, it was just the right time where it just caught me in this different way. And I thought, yeah, well, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I, my first instinct was we're not parents. We're like, no, we're, we're not, we're not going to tell you how to parent, but perhaps there's something within our own journeys that's helped help us discover uh, uh, this flow on effect, you know, this filling your cup effect. And, and um, so, bang. Came mindfully loved and and um, it so resonated with my journey. This awkward spirituality that I didn't really want to share with anyone. <laughs> this passion for just being the best version of myself. At the end of the day, I always I always wanted to. What made me happy more than anything else in this world is being able to share something that made me smile with someone else to make them smile also because seeing someone else in this happy, beautiful state is something that really sort of lifts you up. And I'm like, I, w- I want to be that person. I want to be in that space. And um, mindfully loved the idea of, of it from the get-go was like, this is a platform to do just that. Why mm-hmm. can't we grow this into something bigger? So mm, yeah. um, that's where we are now. And I'm still super <laughs> pumped and excited about it. Last question. Okay. What do you do to fill your cup? What do I do to fill my cup? For self-care. Um, every day I do something every day I do something, whether it's part of a routine or an ever evolving, um, changing, rotating, uh, group of things I do. Um, uh, you know, it's very much sort of catered into the environment that we've grown around us now. So it doesn't feel like I get up and tick off my list of things that I need to do throughout the day, but I'm very much aware in these moments of, of what I need to do to bring it to the forefront. So um, checking in with myself quite regularly throughout the day. Mm. Um, uh, now having the ability, you know, to, just through training over and over again, but being able to check in when I'm feeling a particular emotion to not shut it out, to not tell myself you don't deserve this, to not do those things and just to accept those emotions for what they are and, and be mindful in that moment. I, I think um, learning skills of mindfulness has been the single greatest change that's occurred in that time um and just being prepared you know this constant panic in in any situation let alone a social situation to respond and be there immediately and be witty and quick and Mm. but to actually take moments in life to Mm. experience and be there for a second has helped me just pause slow down and Mm. just reflect a little bit better Um, so important yeah Mm. i think that's it perfect Mm. well i think that's it for today Mm. 
Thank you so much. Um, I do feel pretty blessed and um, honored to be able to stand by you and seeing you grow. It's been it's been amazing, and um, you're an amazing husband <laughs> and beautiful best friend. So yeah, well, I love doing life with you. Thank you for the support as always, and um, yeah, I I um, feel better always, and uh, it always helps to open up. Um, these days, being vulnerable is really empowering feeling for me and um i really hope uh i don't hope let's share let's share more (laughs) yes let's share more along the way thanks everyone for being here with us again um stay tuned and we'll talk to you next time thanks guys Bye. bye